Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. This morning we're going to be turning to Matthew 21. We're going to start reading at verse 12. And this morning, uh, as we take off our, our runway, if you will, uh, may seem a little familiar. A couple weeks ago, we talked for a few moments out of this scripture text. And the Lord has continued to deal with me. He's continued to place some things on my heart since that message. He's continued to work on me and twist me and mold me and speak. And today we're going to revisit this idea, this small snippet that we talked about last a uh, couple weeks ago, and we're going to visit it in a little bit greater depth. We're going to dive in a little deeper this morning. So as we get started, don't worry, I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you and preach the same message twice. As we take off this morning, we're just going to use this preface. Matthew 21, verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God. And cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Powerful, powerful, convicting words we hear from Jesus this morning. So this morning, with the help of the Lord, we're going to talk on the subject, a call to follow. A call to follow. Let's pray right now. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you. Thank you for the opportunity to come and be in this place. I pray you would anoint our hearts, our minds, God, that we may receive your word. I pray you would anoint my lips that I may speak your words and those alone. God, all glory and all honor will be unto you. Lord, we praise you in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A call to follow. So there's an idea that is gaining popularity around the world today, and that idea is called minimalism. How many have heard of this idea, this principle of minimalism? So the idea is that you live with less stuff. In a nutshell, the idea is that you live with less stuff and you live with a more simple, a more simplistic lifestyle. So according to minimalist.life, a simple life is one with less stress, with less stuff and more purpose. Minimalists don't focus, it goes on to say, minimalists don't focus on having less, but they focus on making room for more. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about making some room. We're going to talk about laying some things aside and following his purpose, making some room for more of him. I don't know about you, but I always want God to reside more in my life. I don't ever want to come to the juncture in my life where I say, yeah, I've got enough. I've arrived. I think this is enough. I think the sacrifice that I'm giving is plenty. I think the time, the energy, the emotion, the passion, the burden that I'm giving is enough. I think I'm good. I think I'll stop here. But I always want to make room for more. Making room so that when God looks into my heart, he doesn't see a temple as he saw in Matthew 21. 
He doesn't see one that is full of unnecessary things, of stuff. Stuff that's taking up room where he could abide more abundantly. Stuff that is in the room of where he could be. Things that are getting in the way. We're going to read again. uh, We're going to pick up reading where we left off. We're going to read this in the message version. So Jesus throws all of these money changers out. These vendors of doves. He throws them all out. And he says, my house was designated a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for thieves. Now there was room. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but here's where we go. We're going to dive a little deeper. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. They came in and Jesus healed them. So now there was some room. After Jesus came in, he flipped these tables and he kicked things out. He made some space for some things. And now he says, now there's room for me. Now I can come in. I think it possible that these money changers, these people that sold these doves, had justified it in their own minds as a ministry, right? We're funding the purpose of God. We're funding the temple. This is something we're doing to please God, right? But they have gotten so distorted. They had gotten in such a a, a wrong path, if you will, that they had made it all about that and less about him. I wonder how often that God wants to come in and have his way, but we've just filled our minds and our hearts and our lives with so much stuff, so much things. We're so bogged down with our own ideas, our own plans, our own principles, our own things that we have going on. There's no room for God to come in. Just as the state of the temple was in Matthew here, sometimes our minds are so full of fear that faith gets pushed out. We're too busy worrying about some things that trust in him loses its residence in our heart. We let insecurity move in where confidence in who he made us to be once sat. Don't let the enemy move in your mind with all these fears, with all these worries, with all these things that bog down your mind and your heart. Don't let him come in and take those spots. Those spots are taken. And today we're going to clear some space in our lives so that God can have some more room. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... And the sin which sitteth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So let's take some weights in our lives this morning, right? Let's talk about some weights in our lives and throw them aside for Jesus. To throw these things aside for that call to follow him. Let's follow him to the depths that were previously unknown to us. Let's follow him to the heights that we could never imagine. Let's follow him through the storms of life. Let's follow him through the highs and the lows. And let's throw everything aside that's taking up space where he wants to be so I wonder right now if we can for a moment just lift our voices and sincerely ask the Lord to come in our hearts and minds I wonder if we can sincerely lift our hearts you don't have to stand up you don't have to be boisterous but I want us to sincerely ask God this morning we're going to take just a couple moments with this and I want us to sincerely ask ourselves ask God is there anything that needs moved out is there any space that needs vacated all right so we're going to pray that right now just for a few moments God I'm praying 
If there's any room in my heart that needs vacated, if you're waiting outside with something, something new, something fresh, God, if you're waiting outside to, for me to make room so that you can come in, God, I'm praying you would reveal some things to me. I'm praying you would begin to show me some things, some things that are taking up space, some stuff that is taking up some passion, some emotion that's taken too far. God, I'm praying that you would reveal it to us this morning. Reveal it to our hearts. Reveal it to our minds and our lives today. God, these things that we think we have to have, these things we feel like we must have as a part of our lives, I'm praying you'd begin to reveal some things. Reveal some habits. God, reveal some activities. Reveal some passions. Reveal some things this morning. God, some ideologies, some themes, some principles in our minds. God, begin to remove these. God, begin to show us these things that we may vacate the premises, that we may vacate these areas in our lives and in our hearts. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's biography, written by Eric Metaxas, it's an absolutely amazing book if you ever get a chance to read it. I'm only a third of the way through, but it is an incredibly large book, so... I can't vouch for all of it, but it is an incredible book thus far. And I would like to read a bit from that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was giving a series of lectures to these young men in his church. He was just investing in them and instilling passions within them. And this is what he said. Quote, Bonhoeffer began provocatively putting forth the notion that Christ had been exiled from the lives of most Christians. Of course, he says, we build him a temple but we live in our own houses. Religion had been exiled to Sunday morning to a place into which one gladly withdraws for a couple of hours, but only to get back to one's place of work immediately afterwards. He also said that one cannot give him only a small compartment in our spiritual life. Speaking of Jesus, we can't just give him a small compartment in our lives, but must give him everything or nothing. The religion of Christ, he said, is not a tidbit after one's own bread. It's not just some prayer you say before you eat, right? He says, on the contrary, it is the bread or it is nothing. People should at least understand and concede this idea if they call themselves Christian. What a convicting and amazing statement. And how true is it sometimes in our lives? We dedicate these hours, right? We dedicate so many hours to coming to the house of God. We, we gladly withdraw from our lives just for a little bit on Sundays, on Tuesdays, and the occasional other days. We gladly withdraw, right? But only with the idea ahead of time that we get to go back. With the idea ahead of time that when we come to church and we leave, we say, God, now you stay here. This is your house. You stay here. I'm going home. I'm going to go home and do my own thing. This is your house. We've built it for you. We come and we worship you. I'll be back. We, we treat church like visiting hours for God. We come in and we say, God, I'm going to come visit you. And we're so excited to do so. We're passionate. We're fervent. We're excited to worship him. But then when we leave, we withdraw to our own things. We go live in our own houses. 
We want to serve God as long as it's on the appropriate days, as long as it's allotted to the appropriate times. We want to seek his face as long as it doesn't interfere with my plans. God, I want to serve you as long as I can plan around it. I want to serve you as long as it doesn't inhibit with what I have going on. God, I want to give you my everything as long as it's in this box. I want to give you my everything as long as I don't have to give up that. I want to give you every passion, every moment, every emotion as long as I can keep these things. We put God in this box. We call it a temple. We call it a church. We tell him, we'll come visit. We'll be back. God, I'll be back. I look forward to coming back to worship, but you stay here. We get satisfied with this status quo relationship with God, a maintainable relationship, a predictable relationship, one that we can plan around, one that we can depend on, one that we can call on. We want a relationship with God that we can look at all of this stuff that we have going on our lives and just put in a little bit at a time. We have this, this space. We have this life. We have this allotted amount of time, and then we, we set just a little bit of God. Just a tidbit. As long as we've got something right, as long as I look at my Bible on a given day, I'm okay. As long as I open the Bible app at least once a day, I'm okay. As long as I think about reading my Bible, it's okay. As long as I think about him, as as long as when I'm driving and I'm not really even thinking about what's going on, as long as I talk to him just a little bit, it's all right. Matthew 19 and 21, Jesus said unto him, he was talking unto a rich young ruler, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. If you'll be perfect, take everything you have and give it away and follow me. Now, we're going to look at uh, something that we may look at sometimes and get confused. With the disciples, what did he do? He told them to leave everything. See, with the disciples, he called them as they were fishing, as they were collecting money, as they were going about whatever they were doing. And he said, come and follow me. He didn't tell them all that. He didn't tell them they had to sell their stuff. He didn't tell them they had to get rid of everything. He just said, you've got to leave everything. So why would it be different for this guy? Why would it be different? Why would he call the disciples, the ones he was going to train to preach his gospel, and tell them they can just leave everything? But then this man had to sell everything. He had to physically separate with everything. And then the money that was come up had to give to the poor. It's because Jesus looks into the heart of every child of God and sees those things that are going to get in the way. Because he's seen for every disciple he called, that wasn't going to be an issue. They're not going to want to run back to their possessions. But for this rich young ruler, it could have been an issue. He could have, when the going got tough, when the storm got to, got to boisterous, he could have wanted to, nah, I've still got everything back there. i got a comfortable life back home. I'll just go back to that. Don't measure what God is calling you to based on what your neighbor has going on. Don't worry about what your neighbor's given up. Don't look at the sacrifices you're giving up and say, well, God, I just want to give what they give. Well, then you'll have the reward that they have. And each and every time God calls one of his children to give up something, it's because he's making residence for something else. It's because it's taking unnecessary space 
and he's trying to call you to a greater depth. God looks into each of our lives respectively and calls us to areas of sacrifice that will impact each of us on different ways. There may be things that Pastor Timothy has to sacrifice that I will be fine with. There may be things that I have to sacrifice that he will be fine with. We can't measure each other's success in the kingdom or success in a relationship with God upon what the other is giving up. Because God doesn't care. God wants you to give what you give, not what he gives, not what they give. There will be areas in your life that God will reveal to you and call you to make some room, to clear out some stuff. God will make you move out some things in your life not to be mean or not to punish you, but to take up more residence. He's got greater plans for you. He looks in your life and he sees these, these spaces that are filled with empty things, these spaces that are filled with these hobbies, with these activities, with these emotions, with these principles, and he will look at that and say, I can put something better there. You need to clear some space. The God of heaven and earth desires to do more things through you. What a privilege, what an honor, what an amazing opportunity it is that God is calling you to give up some things so that he can move in a little deeper, a little more. So often God shows us some things that we need to go, that we need to do. He gives us some things that we need to give up, right? How many have had that conversation with God? You've had that, that thing pop up in the back of your mind and you're like, man, I don't even know where that came from, but I feel like I need to give it up. That was just me. That wasn't God. That wasn't the voice of God. Because if it was the voice of God, it would have been thunder and lightning and a boom, right? But I just heard it in the back of my mind just randomly. So it can't be God. I wasn't even praying. I can't hear the voice of God when I'm not praying. So he brings these things into our mind, right? He shows us these things. And because he desires better for us, but we get scared, we get confused, and we try to grab onto those things as tight as we can. I'm just being transparent this morning. That's what I do at times. We look at these things and God's like, I want you to give this up. I'm like, nah, I don't like that. No, I, I really like that part of my life. And I'm just going to hang on to it. If there ever comes a point where it gets inconvenient... I'll hand it over. If there ever gets a point where I just, it just becomes too much work, then I'm going to give it up. But for right now, I'm just going to keep it right here. If, do you got anything else, Jesus, you can have me give up? You got anything else? You got any despair or trials or anything else I can give up? Because I'll give those up. But I just don't want to give this thing. He stands at the door of our heart with a fresh passion, with a work, with a ministry, with a burden for our lives. He stands at the door knocking and tells you, this is for you. This passion, this burden, this work, this soul winning, this thing is for you. Where do you want me to put it? Uh, you can, no, I don't want to get rid of that. We look in our lives, we inventory these things, right? God says, where do you want me to put this? Here's this fresh anointing. Here's this fresh work. Here's this fresh burden. Where do you want me to put it? And we're like, you really came at a bad time, Jesus. I'm really busy right now. You don't understand. Because spring and summers, they're super busy. This is just a bad time. Can, can you come back? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Here, here's this back. You hang on to it for me. It's better in your hands than it is mine. You hang on. I'm just being honest this morning. That's what we do sometimes. That's what I do sometimes. And under the anointing of the Lord, I feel like it may be relevant for more than me. So I feel like we, we're just like, God, you hang on to this. 
and I'll clear some space and you come back. You, you wait right here. See, we're getting back into that, that box thing, right? God, you stay right here. You stay right here at the door and I'll be back, right? I'll clear some things. And then things happen, time passes, and we completely forget. And God moved to the next door. This is for you. Where do you want me to put it? You've got to clear some space. Where can I put it? And the next person says, ah, well, I don't, I really could get rid of that. I could get, but I, I really like that part. I, can you come back? Can you, come, can you stand here and just hang on to that for me? And I'll be right back. He stands waiting. He stands waiting with a call to follow. I can't find any more room, Lord. I can't find any more room. Matthew 4, 18 and 19. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Each disciple got this same call. Come and follow me. Get up and follow me. In some form or fashion, they got the call, follow me. Now, the word here in the original text is the word akaluthio. When you first research this word, you see exactly what you would expect to see. Accompany, attend, follow with, just be there, right? He called them to accompany him. He called them to follow him. And that's exactly what you see with the original study that you will find. But as you begin to look a little bit deeper, as you begin to dig a little deeper in the Strong's Concordance study of this specific word, akaluthio, you will find that he gave his disciples much further call than company. He didn't just want to be, uh, not be alone. He didn't just want to call them in so he had someone to talk to. He didn't want them just to carry his bags. He didn't just want them to organize some stuff for him. He gave them a much higher calling. When you look at this word, to follow, the phrasing in the Strong's Concordance tells us that it means to cleave steadfastly to one. It means to conform wholly or completely to his example. That's what he gave his disciples a call to do. What an incredible call he gave them. He told them, first, you must cleave to me steadfastly. You must be unwavering in your devotion to me, and there's no looking back. Come, follow me, leave everything else behind. Secondly, he said, conform wholly or completely to this, his example. Everything else took a back seat. Their fishing, their occupations, their families, their passions, their purposes, whatever plans they had took a back seat. We must conform to his example and not let those things in our life, that stuff that we allow to bog our minds and our hearts with, slow us down. We can't allow those things to come in and distort the reflection that we're giving of him. The expression, follow me, is very interesting in that it occurs 13 times in the four gospels. 13 times we see Jesus saying, follow me, follow me, come and follow me. Arise and follow me. And this was not an invitation that was just given to the disciples. It wasn't given to 13 and only 12 came. It was an invitation not only to the elect. It was the invitation not only to the religious ones that had it figured out. It was not an invitation that was only given to the ones who had their life put together. And they were just being a perfect little Christian sitting in the corner. But it was an invitation that was much deeper than that. 
Luke 25 says, And there were great multitudes with him. And he turned back and said unto them. So we read here, there were great multitudes. So if we were to naturally look at this, we would say they're technically, and this is just my technical brain, they're technically following Jesus, right? Because they're crowds that are following wherever he goes. They're accompanying him wherever he goes. There's a great sea of people, and they're technically following Jesus, right? Just like we read the disciples, they got their call to follow Jesus. These crowds are following Jesus, right? Wrong. The word here used in the original text translates that they were simply going with him. They were simply there. They were present. They weren't wholly conforming to his image. They weren't cleaving steadfastly to him. They were uncommitted. They weren't committed. They were curious. They weren't passionate about following him. They were just piddling around the crowd. They weren't cleaving steadfastly to him. They were just waiting to see if they could witness something. They weren't following him to be a passion. They weren't following him because it was their purpose. They were following him just because everybody else was doing it. The crowd's following him, so I'm going to follow him too. I'm just going to slip into the crowd because the crowd's an easy place to hide. The crowd's an easy place to hide apathy. The crowd is an easy place to hide when you've got a bunch of stuff in your life and there's no room. He won't call me. I'm just going to follow along in the crowd. I'm just going to tag along. I'm just going to be present. Continuing in that verse 26, if any man come to me, he was talking to this great crowd of people. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So so Jesus, I don't really understand. You turn around to this great multitude of people and you give them this invitation. You tell them that you realize they're just present. I realize you're not really following me right now. You're not really cleaving to me. You're just present. You just want to see what's going on. And I realize that. But now he's trying to scare them away. Now he's telling them, if you don't hate your father, mother, brethren, sister, children, and yourself, you can't be my disciple. So what's what's the purpose in this? It looks like he's just trying to scare the crowd away. But if we look at this carefully, Jesus begins by saying, if any man come to me. The first thing that he does in his, off, in his invitation to the crowd, telling the crowd, giving them a clear invitation, the first thing he did is say, if any of you would like to come, if any of you would like to go from simply being present to truly following me, Here's where we're going. So he gave an invitation to the entire crowd. He didn't try to scare them away. He didn't try to push them away and say, hey, I got to get these streets cleared out. Rome's complaining. This stuff's going on. I got to get this stuff cleared out. He came and first he said, if any of you would like to be true followers, if any of you would like to step out of the crowd and follow me, Regardless of your past, regardless of if you're religious or not, regardless of what they were, if they were moral or immoral, if they were put together or if they were a mess, God said, if any of you would like to come, here's how you do it. If any of you would like to truly follow me, come on, come and follow me. 
come and follow me. The word Jesus used here for come, now here's where we're really getting into it. The, G, the word that he used here for come in this open invitation, if any man come unto me, is the word erkomahi. And it signifies specifically coming from one place and moving to a different place. Okay, so it signifies that not only was Jesus calling the crowd to continue to be present with him, but he was offering them a way they could go from their anxiety to his peace, from one place to another specifically, their past to his future. They were offering, he was offering them a place where they can move from their present spot where they're just accompanying him, they just have an idea of who he is, to move, to come unto him to where they knew exactly who he was, to where they could follow him, they could experience him. This was an invitation that said, if you want to get away from where you've been, come and follow me. How many are thankful that you got that invitation too? It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what mess there is. But I want you to move from where you are to where I am. He gave you an invitation to move from your mess to his peace. He gave you an invitation to move from your anxiety, your tribulation, to his peace. He gave you an opportunity to move from simply being present in the crowd to being a follower. Just think of the things that you would witness. Think of the things that they would have witnessed had they heeded the call. Wow, what an amazing opportunity that they had. Stephen J. Lawson, in his book titled The Cost, said the following. To follow Jesus Christ is the greatest adventure in all of life. It involves the pursuit of life's greatest purpose, the glory that belongs to Christ alone. It meets life's greatest need, the forgiveness of sin that only Jesus can give. It gives life's greatest pleasure, the joy that comes from exclusively knowing Christ. It involves the greatest partnership in life, the fellowship of walking closely with Jesus. It imparts the greatest teaching in life, the wisdom that Christ alone possesses. It infuses the greatest power in life, the grace of Jesus Christ to live triumphantly. It leads to the greatest destination after life, the immediate presence of Jesus himself in heaven. No pursuit in life even begins to compare to this journey of following Jesus, end quote. That's the invitation you were given. That's the invitation that we were given to move from this mess and go over to where you know who he is. To specifically experience who he is, what he is, how he is. This is an amazing opportunity that we have been given. A call to follow. If you would stand with me. One important thing we're going to look at as we're closing is there were two types of people that existed in the crowd. Two types of people that existed in this vast sea of people that were present with Jesus. Every person got the invitation. Every single person got the same memo. They got the same invitation. If any of you want to come, come and follow me. Move from your present condition and come to me. They got the same speech. They got the same invitation. So they were forced to make a decision, and those decisions boiled down to two. There were those that said, yes, they turned their back on their former life, they forgot their past, they left it all, and they followed him. And that was 12 of them.
Now, they didn't all get their calls within this crowd invitation, but at some point, they all got the invitation, come and follow me, and they left it. Secondly, there were those that said, the price is too high, Jesus. That's just simply too much. Do you realize what I'd have to give up? Do you realize the inconvenience it would be? Do you realize all this stuff I'm going to have to sort through? It's too much. It's too much. The invitation was given and two people emerged. Two types of people. Those that said yes and those that said no. So I want to ask us this morning, when Jesus comes in our lives, in our hearts, and gives us the same invitation, come and follow me at a greater depth. Come and follow me at a greater measure. What's your answer? What's my answer? Will it be, yes, I'm running full speed ahead. Whatever you got, God, is better than what I have planned. Or are you going to say, no, no, that's too much. Jesus, that's too much. I want us just, if you can find a place to pray, it can be up front, it can be where you're at. But the invitation is still given. The same invitation that the crowd got to move from your present situation to present with Jesus to presently following him, to cleaving to him, to wholeheartedly exhibiting his character, a call to go deeper, a call to follow. The same call is still given today. What's your answer? What's your answer? God is always trying to get more residence in your heart because he loves you, because he wants more for you, because he desires better for you. So what's our call this morning? What's our answer this morning? God, I just don't know. I just don't know what to do. I can't give up this thing. It's too big. It's too much. Or will I say wholeheartedly, God, yes, yes, yes. I'm giving everything. I'm tossing everything into the wind. God, I'm giving everything to you because you're worthy of everything and you have best for me. Your plans are better for me. Your purpose is better for me. Your residence in my heart is better than all this stuff, than all these things, God. You're worth it all. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Thank you.